Welcome back to another week of instigating after a week off with Clarkie and Drury, or at least just Drury this week. We'll get into why Clarkie's not here momentarily. We're brought to you as always by our friends at Cool Bet Canada. And of course, the list will squash courts, list will vision care, see the game, and our friends at Hanover Raceway. Two weeks left in the race season over there. Don't miss all the excitement of live harness racing every Saturday up until the 17th of September. Post time, always 1.30. Bring the family and come have a great time enjoying the sights and sounds. We bet you'll love it. Visit them at HanoverRaceway.com for details on their upcoming events. Just two race weekends left, so get down there and lay some bets at the horse track. It's one of the best in Ontario. Speaking of one of the best, it's time to talk some baseball, some positive baseball spin here in Canada right now with the Blue Jays, with our baseball guy, friend of the show, Toronto Sun, beat reporter for the Toronto Blue Jays. It is Mr. Rob Longley. Longley, how are you, brother? Uh, can we just go back to Hanover Raceway for a minute? Absolutely. I, I spent some, uh, some of the formative years in my career at Hanover Raceway. I started as wow. a sports writer full time at the London Free Press, and my first beat was harness racing, and that was a big beat back then, back in the in the late '80s. And so I spent some time at Hanover Raceway, Clinton Raceway, Dresden Raceway, Woodstock Raceway. I think I even made it to Leamington once. But Hanover Raceway, what a great spot! I'm glad they're a sponsor of the show. That's awesome, man. Well, Mr. Steve Fitzsimmons, the general manager over there, of course, my broadcast partner with the Guelph Storm. And uh, yeah, you know what? What a small world. I think that next season on opening day, we've got to try and orchestrate something where we bring Rob Longley back to the track where it all started. I love it. Western Fair Wasteway was, of course, the one I've spent the most time at, but they still have it in the province. There's there's a program called the Ontario Sire Stakes, and and they move around to all these small tracks in southwestern Ontario. So Often on a Saturday or a Sunday, I would find myself on my way to either Hanover or Clinton or one of these places. And it was it was a great way to start my career because, um, I mean, I, I did have a bit of an affinity for horse racing. But as I've always said to people over the years since then, it's that if you can't find a good horse, a good uh, story at a, at a racetrack, then you're not you're not much of a journalist because there's so much good things happen, so much interesting things happen. And, and Hanover Raceway was certainly like that back in the day. I'm sure it is now as well. It absolutely is. You're right. And the track's a great place to be. It's, I mean, they run so many great events there and I mean, Steve's doing a great job with it as well. And we appreciate their support as always. I'm sure that the Toronto blue Jays are appreciative of at least digging themselves out of what looked like a pretty cavernous hole against the LA angels that producer Adam was witness to recently. Uh, not exactly a lot of good vibes coming out of there. They get swept by the lowly angels who for some reason still can't find a way to play competitive baseball with one of the greatest players of all time times two on their roster. They sweep the Jays though. And the Jays were at that point, just a half game up on the Baltimore Orioles, who now, as we record this, are four and a half games back of that final wildcard spot. And the Jays are just a game and a half back of the top wildcard spot in the American League behind the Seattle Mariners. Boy, Rob, we've talked to you so many times throughout this season. The roller coaster just continues. There is just no consistency to be found here. Yeah, it's it's really crazy. And, and, and in fact, as we speak, I just... Uh... I just filed a, a, my off-day column for tomorrow's Toronto Sun and all the other places that run it across the country. Um, I, I just about that, I spoke with Matt Chapman the other day when I was in Baltimore, 
And I said, listen, we all know this has been a streaky team. Um, are you seeing anything different right now uh, after this series win against Baltimore? Because I think that you could make the, the argument that this was one of their most impressive series. Sweep, sweep the Pirates. Okay, you're, you're supposed to do that like you were supposed to sweep the Angels and you did not. And then you go into Baltimore and you basically own them. Right. I mean, Baltimore wasn't the only way Baltimore was even competitive in any game in that series was because Toronto doesn't have a fifth starter right now. I'm sure that's something we'll address later on in the show. But they went in there and they said, you know what, we are going to take care of business. We are going to we can't end the wild card races with this in this four game series, but we can sure uh, make sure that we have an upper hand in it. And they did. So I talked to Chapman about it. And, and like this is this is what I've got here. And this was in my column. If you go back to J- July 22nd, here's the streaks that they've been on. They've been on an eight and two streak, a three and nine streak, a nine and one streak, a one and three streak, and now a six and one streak. So you just you have to stop that at some point, right? You you absolutely have to stop that. And and now is kind of the time to do it. And Chapman's take on it was, yeah, we are playing the kind of baseball that we we should be able to to avoid the other side of the streakiness he says i don't want to say that we're going to because every time we feel that we're going to do that we go and poop the bed like they did against the angels and he obviously he mentioned you know the, the good road trip through boston and, and new york and then going back and, and 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 losing to the angels and struggling against the cubs right everybody thought the jays were going to go five and one in that in that, in that stretch and, and they certainly did not so are they there yet not necessarily, but they're starting to show some signs of, of, of a more complete baseball team. And I think that was Chapman's point that we have to find a way to sustain that. And if we do, this September could be a cr- pretty good month. And then that lead could lead to some pretty good things beyond that. Well, the Baltimore series you mentioned, Rob, that we just witnessed here as we record this on Thursday the 8th as they get ready to head to Texas. Really pivotal that they took three of four from the Orioles, not only because Baltimore, of course, chasing them for that final wildcard spot, but also uh, I read this as well today on Twitter that after they play the Texas Rangers, the Jays will play just one more series against a team with a losing record the rest of the way down the stretch. They are in for some very tough, very competitive baseball, including some more against those aforementioned Orioles. So that was really huge to set them up here for what I would say would be a disappointment if they didn't take two of three, if not sweep the Rangers, who are an abysmal baseball club, despite some offseason overhauling and splashing of cash. What is, you know, let's stick with Chapman because I think that, you know, it's interesting you bring him up because he he is a guy that, of course, garnered a lot of attention in just being acquired, being a multiple platinum glove winner at third, filling a hole that everybody said on the field was the number one priority for the Jays to address. And defensively, he's been everything and more that you could ever want him to be. Offensively, much like the team he's now on, very up and down season for Matt Chapman that has had a lot more ups over the last month and a bit. Really, since the All-Star break, he has really, really come alive. What sort of impact has that been able to have on the rest of the batting order because he's led off? In a game that George Springer sat out uh, for, he's batted third. He's batted cleanup. He batted fifth the other night. I mean, 
for a guy who was plugged into that, really that seven, eight hole when he was hitting like 219 through May to now be this versatile all-star defender and great bat for them to use now. What has that done for just the Jays turning it around recently? I think it's been a part of it for sure, Ryan. It's certainly lengthened the lineup, right? I mean, because they're not shy about putting him in in any spot, as you mentioned, in the top five after being a bottom-of-the-order guy for much of the season. I mean, clearly you'd like to see a little bit more consistency from him. Um, he does have that uh, 2022 Blue Jays disease of, of chasing bad pitches at times, although a little less so, I think, it, it, recently. He's also shown those flashes of power, right? And I think if the rest of the offense gets going, then he might be even more dangerous that way with, with his bat because, you know, I mean, they, they say it all the time that hitting is contagious. I don't believe that, but... When, when enough players in the Jays lineup are, are going well, then you can't pitch around guys. And I think if, if, you, know, if you have Vlad or Teoscar when he comes back from paternity leave and even Kirk, who's been heating up a little bit, if you have those guys hitting the way that they can and then uh, to, to join what Bo Bichette has been doing of late, then all of a sudden maybe Matt, ja- make Matt Chapman can be that join that party and that would make the, the offense all, all the more dynamic. Um, but I think the really big thing with Chapman so far, obviously defense, he's, he's made that infield defense so much better. And despite the people that want to be very critical of Bo Bichette and he has made his share of errors, but he's, he's emerging as a really decent uh, shortstop. But the part of the reason he's a better shortstop is because of the guy who's beside him at third base. Chapman is just so good over there. He's got such a great arm, got such great range and he's a real, real leader of the infield. But what I'm, what I'm sort of noticing the more time I spend around this team is that he's a real leader in that clubhouse too. Um, and, and I think that's going to be really important as, as we move along. There's sort of, there's sort of a few leaders throughout. I think I see, I see David Phelps as one of the veterans as sort of a, a strong voice in that clubhouse. I definitely see Chapman as one. And I see even Bo Bichette as one. So you've got sort of three different voices from three different roles on the team. Um, and I think that's going to be important when the team gets through these this heavy stretch down this down the stretch and 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 gets to the postseason. But you know, as you mentioned, it's uh, coming up. It is a it is a really formidable uh, schedule that they have to go against, and and it's going to expose the pitching staff. Um, you, you mentioned that this team has to win at least two out of three in, in Texas, and I, and I think you're right. And I think um, they're they're going about their matchups with that in mind because. Right now, anyway, they've got uh, Stripling going on Friday, and then they've got uh, Gosman going on Saturday, and then Sunday's a TBD, TBD day. So rather than keep keep the rotation in order, they're hoping that they can get through a game on Sunday and beat the lowly Rangers, and then help, that helps them set up for the uh, five games in four days against against the Rays starting Monday at the Rogers Center. Well, we know one guy that will not be starting on Sunday, and that's Yusei Kikuchi, who John Schneider came out the other day and basically said, we like what he's doing out of the bullpen. I mean, he he has to say that. Um, and he's been okay, but again, Kikuchi, the story of this team, really, the, the Blue Jays 2022 disease you referred to it as, he'll look like a world beater from one batter. And then the next batter, he's throwing five, six awful pitches and walking them. So it, it's, it's bizarre. And then Mitch white gets optioned to triple a, a guy that they brought in from the Dodgers that they hoped could give them a consistent 
four and two thirds, maybe five every now and again. He has not worked out an eight one seven ERA. It's just not gone well for him. Now he's still a young guy, but that seems to consistently be the ongoing issue, if you will, plaguing this team is that lack of a consistent, even four man rotation. Barrios has settled down quite a bit of late, but he's still a little hit and miss. Um, but Manoa Gosman, you know what you're getting there. Ross Stripling, it's just such an interesting and feel good story. Really a guy that's been a career mid to long reliever, you know, really didn't get a chance to shine or do much in previous stops, particularly LA loaded pen over there. What is the one thing, if there is one you could point to, that's helped Ross Stripling turn into uh, not just a very good, a, a really good, potentially great arm that is a starter here? Like, is it one particular pitch that he's gotten a hold of? What is what is the driving factor behind Ross Stripling's surprising and welcome success? You mean other than the fact that he's become uh, Marco Estrada 2.0? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, that's I mean, a good I, comparison. I, I joke because he's he's he has shown a, he has a, a five pitch mix that he can that he can he can mess around with, and for a guy who's not overpowering in any way, it's it's nice to have that. And he's he seems to be able to hit all corners of the plate and, and that kind of stuff. But I think the biggest thing is that changeup, right? And he's not just using it occasionally or liberally; he's using it a lot. And he, I think he was, he was more than 40, 40 he used to change more than 40 times in his last start. Uh, I don't think he'll do that going forward because, you, you, you know, teams will prepare for it. But when you've got five pitches like that and, and when, you can, when you have a guy calling a good game behind the plate, then you can be, you can be whoever you want to be in a game, in an inning, uh, in and at bat. And I think, I think that versatility and has helped him. I also think it's his experience as well. I mean, he played on those good Dodger teams. He was he was at best a sort of a long reliever when 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 things got got serious. And uh, but one one of the things he told me about that is I sort of asked him what it was like mentally going into a September, not just with a, a good team with with designs on making a playoff run, but having a huge role in it. And he said that that's that's the best thing that's happened to me this year is to be on a team that I've he says I've loved I loved the, the September experience and October experience with the Dodgers. But here when I'm a guy that's relied upon and going out there every five days with with so much on the line and being able to perform on a team that's going well, he says that's that that's making it a highlight of my career. And this is a guy's got a World Series ring, right? So um, I think he's p- pitching with confidence. He's pitching with uh, with with a good game plan each start that he seems to go out there because it's not the same game plan every every game, and 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 he he realizes that he's an important part of of that rotation and and is is uh, for to pardon the pun he's taking the ball and run with it. He definitely has, and it's just such a great story. And and you're right when when he was part of that Dodgers unit. I mean, as a relief pitcher over there, never mind being a starter, it's easy to get lost in the shuffle over there. Blake sure Trinan and at the time, Canley Jansen, Bruce Dargrat are all David Price, for God's sake, is yeah. a reliever for them. Like, it's easy to get lost in the shuffle and to have a guy come out of a situation like that as 
a renowned pitcher. People knew he was good and had major league stuff. I don't know that anybody expected this. Maybe he didn't even, but he's certainly shown the confidence that he is taking the ball and running far away with it right now. I mean, he's absolutely, if the Jays get into the playoffs, which is looking a little more likely. He's certainly going to be one of the three guys that gets that gets a baseball for sure. Yeah, um, for sure. On- and, but you, but you, you can ask yourself the question too, Ryan. Is like, where would this team be without Ross Stripling right now? Oh my goodness! They'd be Could in you trouble, imagine? No, they'd oh. be in some trouble. They would be in some serious trouble. I mean, the the performances alone recently, the dominating the Red Sox, chewing yeah. the Yankees apart on numerous times, particularly with that changeup, making guys like Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton look silly with that changeup yeah. and curveball mix that he has. I mean, yeah, they would be in a. Uh, I would venture to say that they wouldn't be in a playoff spot right now if it weren't for Ross Stripling. Yeah, I agree hundred percent. He was, you know, he's, he's, he, I mean, obviously he, he came in uh, because of what happened with Ryu. They needed him that, and you know, the, I think maybe at the time it was just considered to be a temporary fix and they would have hoped to maybe add another starter at the, at the trade deadline, but the urgency to do that became less and less the, uh, the more he pitched well. And, and, and yeah, he's been, he's been a very critical part of this team's success. And, and if you look at it really again, beyond that fifth starter spot, Pitching has been a real strength of this team for the past six weeks and and likely will continue to be uh, going forward as long as they can find a way to patch together whatever the, that day five uh, mix is going to be, whether they go with a Mitch White when he when he gets activated again or give Kikuchi a try, which they won't. It was funny. You mentioned you, you alluded to that the other day when, when Schneider was asked about it. He kind of said somebody said, well, is Kikuchi an option? And he kind of said, well, maybe. And then he then he said, well. But we do like what he's doing in the bullpen. We like the routine, the routine that he's in there. In other words, a polite way of saying not a chance. Kikuchi's not going to start. The only way Kikuchi starts a game, the remainder of this regular season, is half up on who's ever behind them in the wild card chase and the gaming. Nothing. That's the only way. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, like the performances speak for themselves. The numbers are what they are. His right. walk rate is atrocious i mean ridiculous he, he can't he can't go back in it's it's been an unfortunate 12 million dollar disaster that <laughs> and said, 24 though, million to go and 24 to go i mean good grief it's uh, it's not worked uh it's yeah. not worked out well but like you said largely pitching's been a positive story the last little stretch here i mean the bullpen is rounded out um anthony bass has been an extremely good addition. He's been fantastic. Jimmy Garcia has been lights out. I mean, every time he gets on the hill over the last little while, it's night, night. He's putting people to sleep with that sinker. And Jordan Romano is Jordan Romano. I mean, he's just eating guys up and uh, it's positive for sure. I do wonder now, you know, looking back on the deadline, I like many people were, was a little underwhelmed with it. Just hearing, you know, all the expectations heading into the season, Chapman's here, you know, the the Vlad quote that's going to get brought up constantly, <laughs> all of it, right? The trade deadline, based on what we've seen so far, was a little underwhelming, sure. And it's easy to kind of forget that now because they're playing well. What do you think will happen, though, from the fan base's perspective? You know what this fan base is like. What will happen if the Jays 
make it through the wild card round and maybe go the distance in a DS, God forbid, a CS and lose ultimately. Do you think that the fan base will then go, well, now imagine what would have happened if they had a went out and got some big name Castillo or what have you. Do you think that it would actually almost be louder from the fan base if they lost then as opposed to in the wild card round? Possibly. I hadn't really thought of it from, from that point of view, Ryan, but it's, it does make some sense. There will be a certain element of, of the fan base that will definitely go down that road, right? Because as soon as the clock hit six o'clock or whatever the deadline was on deadline day, I mean, it was, it was billed as an underwhel- underwhelming haul. And, it, you know, by most evaluations, it certainly was. Um, the team, you know, got marginally better. Um, the one player that might save the GM in all of that was Anthony Bass, who's been very quietly outstanding uh, and is, is earning uh, higher leverage uh spots almost by the by the appearance um but no they didn't they didn't do enough right and and for for a front office that has basically said uh that this is a year that they're really going for it and for um, a front office that knows what they have in terms of the number of years they have Vlad Guerrero Jr. and Bo Bichette uh, at, at a reasonable cost and the number of remaining years they have of George Springer and others I mean there was an urgency and, and it but at the end of the day, it didn't feel like they they treated it that way because of what they got in return. Now there were some circumstances. I don't I don't doubt that Ross Atkins was shopping all around the league and and had had his uh, irons in many fires. But but uh, but for whatever reason, couldn't uh, couldn't pull the trigger. Um, one thing he told me uh, in a casual conversation one day is that you know any of the really high end relievers, the teams didn't want to part with them. They just and and it was. And even if they did, it was the price was just too dear. Um, so then it became a situation where they had to look at, at players like Anthony Bass and sort of the middle tier of relievers that were out there and, and kind of get the leftovers or, 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 or sort of um, reduce their goals in terms of what, what they were shopping for. Um, but yeah, I mean, if they, if they, were, if they were to win a round and, and go deep in a second round, and fail because the bullpen isn't strong enough or fail because the offense didn't get the injection that, that they could have had at the trade deadline to make them to sort of give them that boost. And yeah, I think there'd be a, a fairly loud segment of the, of the fan base that would say, man, you, you didn't lose it necessarily in October. You lost it at, at the end of July when the deadline deadline came. That's what people will say. I want to ask yeah. you as well, uh, just about a guy you brought up earlier and a guy that continues to kind of be a point of, contention celebration admiration Bo Bichette it's much much like his season and largely the teams the the fan base seems to be up and down lukewarm I'd call it on this guy they they love the passion that's clearly there the flair that comes with who he is and what he does as a player you know when he connects with a baseball it generally goes very far and uh, he's on a hot streak right now I mean he's got a 121 OPS plus that's exactly what he finished with last year he's bumped his average way up and if he had kind of been able to find some median of connection consistency with what he's doing now and the start of the season he would probably have very sparkly numbers I mean what is it on both sides of the ball Rob 
to you, you've watched a lot of good shortstops, a lot of good baseball players. What is it on both sides of the ball that's still missing maybe for Bo that as a young player, he is, he still has time to find. Yeah, I think it's, I think that the answer is in that he's still a young player and he still has time to find. I think he's still a developing player. I I think he's, uh, he's learning as he goes. Uh, there's nobody on that team that works hard, harder defensively, and I think we're seeing the signs of that. And as I mentioned earlier, being alongside Chapman certainly helps him in that regard. I think the issues that he's had at the plate are more mental um, than physical. And just talking to him consistently, but especially over the past few days, he's you know he essentially said to himself that I'm going to go out there and be me. In other words, everyone wants to get on me, including my hitting coaches, about my approach and how I'm, you know, I'm maybe a little bit too wild at times and, and maybe a little bit too aggressive. And he acknowledged that, yeah, you know, I, I do have to be selective at the plate. You just can't go up there and swing wildly, but maybe I was trying to harness it in a little bit too much to be, to, to, to get that consistency, but I know when I'm at my best, he said, and I'm at my best is when I'm at my best. It's when I'm aggressive. When I, when I get my pitch, I go after it. Yeah. I have to be a little bit more selective, but if there's two strikes on me and there's a, and there's a pitch that's coming down there that I know is my pitch, I'm going to take a cut at it. And, and we, we saw what a show we put on and over, over a couple of games in Baltimore and that three home run game underrated in that one is last at bat. He, he almost hit, they just missed hitting that one out. Like he, he hit it very sharply out to center field. And it was just like, you know, he was a centimeter away from having four home runs in one game. And, um, because of that success he's had, he's, he's swinging with some confidence now. He's, he's being selective but aggressive at the same time. And I think the fact that he's mentally found that approach that can work for him, I think that's the reason why he's having some success. I don't understand 100% why he is such a flashpoint with fans. I mean, I get it. You know, there's, there's big expectations of him. And when you regress a little bit from what, from what you were in 2021, people are going to be – People are going to wonder what, what's up. But as you mentioned, Ryan, he's, he's had a decent season and he's now at 22 home runs, which I believe has him third on the team. He might not reach the 28 or 29 that he got last year, but I think he's probably going to top 25, which, which isn't too bad for a shortstop if you look around the league. Um, and it's interesting to me that he, he seems to get way more heat than Vlad Guerrero Jr. does. And, and I'm not quite sure why that's, why that's the case. Yeah, and Vlad right now is mired in quite a slump. I think people maybe are more forgiving because some still feel like he should have been the MVP last year, and they're they're a little maybe more confident in his overall ability to get, get himself out of that. But I mean, the last I think three weeks, Vlad's hitting two twenty. Like he's yeah. he's in one right now. Really quick before we run out of time here. Uh, Tomorrow, we're recording this Thursday on Friday. There's going to be a vote uh, expected to be approved. Uh, Ken Rosenthal tweeting this out. Introduction of pitch clocks, bans on defensive shifts, at least the setup of them, and uh, obviously larger bases, which, I mean, I don't, I don't know how much of an effect that'll really have. Maybe it increases stolen bases a, a little, but perhaps the, the first, the first two though, your, your thoughts on this potential. Uh, I mean, the shift is the really big one, obviously. What are your thoughts on that? I, I I'm, I'm all in on both of them, I think, because for one thing, I mean, I just, I thought I sat through a three hour and 53 minute game the other night. And I mean, it's cause for celebration in the, in the press box if a game is three Oh six, 
right? Not two twenty sixes, which which is what it should be. There's no reason a baseball game should go the more than two and a half hours unless it's sort of a, a an oddity, a, an outlier of a game. Um, so yeah, they they need to do something to to pick up the pace. Um, I'm I'm a little bit more mixed on on the uh, on the shift idea. What I do like about it though is that hopefully it'll get an ideal and it will, it'll get more balls in play. And I think that's what baseball really needs right now. Um, and, and I think it'll make it a much more exciting and much more creative game because, because batters will have a fighting chance. And uh, um, I think, I think it's, it's just gotten so technical uh, shift wise, the teams, video teams and, and scouting staffs are just so good at figuring it out that it's, it's really taken away a lot from the game and, you know, with with the strikeout and swing and miss being such a key element too, that there's there's just not enough balls in play. So if you eliminate the shift, you're going to get get back to a little bit more traditional feel for a baseball game, and I think you know a more entertaining game overall. I absolutely agree, and I mean, with some of the good young defensive players that are coming up, I think everybody would sign off on Bo Bichette and O'Neill Cruz launching 110 mile an hour missiles across the diamond. I yeah, I think everybody would be would be in for that. Rob, we really appreciate your time as always. You are our guy when we want to talk baseball, and right now in in Jay's land, it's fun to talk about baseball. So we'll see how this series with Texas turns out, and well, you can probably bet we'll be bugging you again toward the end of the month when it's really into the nitty gritty we really appreciate you doing this rob yeah let's do it again as we get closer to the playoffs my pleasure guys absolutely rob longley our friend from the toronto sun you can follow him on twitter he is one of the best jays beat reporters that you can find on social media or elsewhere hey newspapers they still exist guys all <laughs> right websites absolutely you can find rob's work all over the place he is one of the best we'll take a quick break when we come back producer adam and i will discuss why my co-host is not here right now and we'll talk we'll chat a little bit about adam's recent excursion to the blue jays unfortunately uh bearing witness to the sweep game at the hands of the angels but we'll chat about that experience and we'll talk a little bit about uh how expensive it's starting to get to go to sporting events that and more coming up next here on Instigating. Welcome back to Instigating with Drury. Instigating with Drury and producer Adam. Or maybe we should change the name of this show from Instigating with Clarky and Drury. That is what you're watching. But Mr. Chris Clark is not here with us. Uh, joined now once again by producer Adam. And boy, Mr. Clark just, he, he, he felt the need to not include himself in the show tonight after we had a week off so yep. that you could have a much needed and much deserved vacation. And he <laughs> just decides, you know what? I'm going to blow you guys off for Elton John. Wow. Now, I know, but like it's his last tour. So respect. I did not get to see him in person, so there's that. But yeah, I mean, it, it, Elton I don't had a show on Wednesday night. Him. He could have went Wednesday night, not Thursday night. Well, I guess the whole thing was as we were having the situation detailed us. Some some friends of theirs had a last minute cancellation. Yes. These tickets became available. Rogers Center. Yeah. Let's go and and see old Elton as he uh, as he and you know what actually it 
probably uh, going to be a bit of a, I mean, you know, not to mention, I'm not the hugest Elton John fan. Respect. He's one of the greats, like mm-hmm. no questions asked. Uh, but as we record this on Thursday the 8th, obviously huge news dropping internationally that uh, Queen Elizabeth II passing away today yeah. at 96. And Elton was very tight with the royal family, um, played it. It seemed like he was always there, if not playing at a lot of their big momentous occasions, if you will. I feel like he played when William and Kate got married. He did. You know, maybe maybe I'm wrong there, but like certainly he was around like he was very, you know, close uh, to to the queen, obviously. So rest in peace, Liz. What a run. Ninety six, 70 of which I believe uh, over 70, I think that she served as as the monarch of just the country. over I mean, by like months by like four or five yeah, months or yeah. 70th was J- just over this year. 70 yeah. unbelievable stuff i mean yep. uh and, and sad news sad news for our for our english friends and and the united kingdom obviously and and elton john um as clark you watch i'm sure it, it'll be an emotional thing he'll he'll probably you know dedicate a couple songs and everything you know it'll be Absolutely. uh so we don't blame clarky for and it's even more so accentuated by the sad news out of uh out of the united kingdom today and uh yeah El- elton john you know it's a it's a momentous thing I, I can say, you know, I we're going to get into your recent trip that we teased on the last show we did about mm-hmm. heading to see Shohei and Mike Trout bully the Blue Jays around in a three-game sweep. But uh, I'll say uh, earlier this week, I, I, you know, if if I was in the same situation as Clarkie tonight, I wouldn't be here. But the big show I saw was on Tuesday, of course, Pearl Jam in Hamilton, a show oh. I waited two years or well, maybe 30 years, really, if you if you want to be accurate about it, to see uh, Eddie Vedder is one of my all-time favorite human beings that's ever existed. One of my big heroes. I love the man. I love Pearl Jam. Uh, they were fantastic. They, they were unbelievable. And what I wanted to tie that into a little bit, we teased it as we kind of ended uh, our Blue Jays chat with our good friend, Rob Longley. Make sure you follow Rob, by the way, at Longley Sun Sport, writing great Blue Jays articles for the Toronto Sun and Post Media, uh, was just how expensive, you know, sporting events are getting. And you want to talk about expensive, I mean, concerts, no different. And, and you know, I, I, my desire, I guess, producer Adam, to talk about this was sparked by a tweet I saw earlier where a friend of mine at leafer by blood great twitter account big leaf fan uh he he actually makes real those really great custom logo signs too had many great interactions with him on twitter he's a great guy he was basically saying you know geez i want to take my kid uh to to a leaf game this year even a preseason game to like sit with an obstructed view is like 300 bucks. It's, oh. you know, and it's the lease, you know, I guess I somewhat get it, but it's just, I, you know, and, and we should probably get our friend Steve McAllister of the parlay back on, because you'll remember we had a, a great conversation about, about this with him mm-hmm. um, a, a few months ago where he was at a, a sport media conference and Brian Burke was there and he kind of had a bit of a back and forth with him about how he feels that Steve, uh, rather, our friend Steve McAllister feels that 
ticket pricing for sporting events has has almost kind of reached its zenith of bend or break for a majority of fans, right? Like we are already starting to kind of get into a territory where attending a sporting event for your favorite team, depending on the sport, of course, some sports are very affordable to go see and, and it's a great, you know, bang for buck situation. But when we're talking about major sports that we've all grown up and enjoyed on television and everything, it is we're already in a territory where it is an event largely to be enjoyed by the wealthy. Yeah, and, absolutely. And and it's really, really unfortunate. And and I think that um you know, I'm not an economist, I'm not a finance expert, I'm not gonna pretend I understand all the financial inner workings. I know the players are making more and more, the prices go up more and more, the demand is there. So there's an argument to be made for that. It's why I've always had so much respect to a large degree for a lot of soccer leagues. And it's a sport I know Clarky can't get behind, but the German league, you know, the Bundesliga, they they have a rule where at least half the club has to be owned by fans and fan groups. And they oh. are dedicated. They sit on the board of the club. They direct how the club does business. Um, that's why generally... The German league, even the big teams like Bayern Munich, uh, don't you don't see them spending hundreds and hundreds of millions of euros. They will spend Bayern will, but the teams there they don't spend like the English Premier League. You know the TV deals, yes, it's different, but they they made a rule like ages ago. They capped away games at twenty euros. Oh, that's you can awesome. go see any German game, Bayern Munich, wh- whoever. From the smallest team to the Bayern Munichs and the the Borussia Dortmunds, you can go and watch your team play at Allianz Stadium against Bayern for 20 euros and watch that great Bayern team with our great Canadian star, Alfonso Davies. They capped that. I know England did a cap for away tickets too. It's a little more pricey, but they capped it. And, And home tickets as well. And especially home ticket packages for long time members of the of the clubs or long time ticket holders they get very very good deals and and that that inspires loyalty mm-hmm. it it becomes a family tradition which for young kids now even when i was a little kid you can't establish that with the Toronto Maple Leafs nope. as our example here. You yeah. can't just consistently go to Toronto Maple Leafs games, e- even for brutal seats. It's so expensive, but it inspires a familial tradition. Everyone goes, they buy merch because they have some money left over. They come to the stadium. They don't just sit there. They get some schnitzel. They get right. they get 12 <laughs> beers because they're fairly priced. You know what I mean? It's not $18 for a sippy cup. You know what yeah. I mean? And my whole tie in there, I know people are wondering, where are you going with this? How does What does that have to do with Pearl Jam? Well, it's why I respect Pearl Jam because sports tickets, concert tickets, insanely expensive. Um, and and it's largely driven by the ticket companies, yep. Ticketmaster and all the sport companies as well, essentially almost eliminating the resale market because they control it all now, almost to a degree. Scalping yep. has become a digital 
marketplace now and they're illegal. all in on it <laughs> and legal which is crazy it, it is yeah. and and it's insane the price is one of my favorite bands ever paramore is coming back to go on tour the tickets are psychotic oh. to see them in toronto it's it's such a bummer i remember seeing paramore as a young man like really falling in love with the band for 90 bucks and wow. and there was a big bill of other artists included on the ticket like i saw like four bands plus Paramore for two hours for $90. I understand times are changing, but it's why I respect the German Bundesliga yep. on the sports side, and it's why I'll always respect Pearl Jam on the music side. Well, how $120, much for okay, $120 for the tickets. Yep. Now, we bought them two years ago. The show was postponed due to COVID. They rescheduled it, mm -hmm. honored the tickets. That's a big thing. Mm -hmm. Also, what Pearl Jam generally does is they have a flat price for a large majority of the tickets. I don't know what the floor situation is, but for seating, it's generally a flat rate, doesn't fluctuate too much between the seating, and it's a lottery system where basically you pay and then it and then it gives you your seats. Oh, you wow. could be sitting side stage, you could be sitting luckily where we were right in view. We were nine rows up from ice nice. level at uh, First Ontario Center, formerly Cops Coliseum. Yeah. in hamilton so we're i'm head on looking at eddie vetter oh, all night right on. and it was it was just a stupendous experience and they make it so worth it not only are those extremely reasonable prices to pay for a concert or sporting event they they make it so worth your while when you go see pearl jam and this is something i i already knew but definitely found it out when i saw them earlier this week they play a completely different show every night wow they played 19 or 20 songs when i saw them eddie had a lot of chatting with the crowd he's just such a personable guy which it's just fun he could have just stood up there and did a two-hour ted talk and people would have been satisfied right oh yeah i bet but <laughs> but all the songs and they were completely different from the show they played before but and I know they're playing tonight uh, on Thursday in Toronto, actually, next to Sir Elton John. The show will be completely different from what I saw. And, That's and, wild. And I don't know that a lot of these sports teams that are sitting pretty on all these big ticket prices and going, oh, people will always pay, people always pay. I do kind of wonder. I don't have to wonder. Uh, I'm friends. I grew up here. Adam, you grew up in this area, Midwestern yep. Ontario. We could name 20 people we both know that are diehard Leaf fans that will never attend a game for the rest of their lives. They and, can't. You know, in fact, my brother attends Leafs games when they play the Red Wings because he's in Windsor and it's cheaper to go see them in Detroit than it is for him. And of course, he's in Windsor, so it's easier, but it's cheaper to go see them in Detroit than it is to go to the Air Canada Center and see them play Detroit. That's wild. If Someone a few years ago, I saw a wild Twitter thread where someone had worked out what you could do across the NHL for the same price as one Leaf seat all throughout the arena, like in the different sections, oh, wow. gold, purple, whatever it is. Yep. It was a very interesting Twitter thread. I'm sure someone could find it. Um, it had thousands of retweets. Like, for instance, if you sit, you know, a few rows from the ice, what are those? The golds, the grays, whatever they are. I don't care. I don't know. I'll never sit there. Same. Um, at a Leafs game. I'm, I'm willing to bet 
you could sit at the same seat in Little Caesars Arena, a nicer, newer building. Yep. That, you know, doesn't really matter for what we're talking about here. But you could sit in the same seat effectively and watch probably three Red Wings games in those same seats there as you could in Toronto. And probably still have some money left over to, like, go around and shop and see maybe catch a tigers game who knows oh, you know like it's it's maybe a lions game although i don't know why you would want to subject yourself to a <laughs> lions game um Wait, i got you one for you this years ago one of my friends was going uh to vacation in florida and they're going near tampa they actually worked out oh, that it was cheaper for them stories yes to fly to tampa Get their hotel. Now, they were doing other things, but they reserved one night to watch the Leafs in Tampa play. The t- now, of course, this was years ago before the headman and, you know, they got really good. So that might have changed. But they were able sure, to fly it- there, watch the game, spend their vacation in Tampa, do whatever else they wanted to do, fly back. And it was cheaper than getting gold seats at the Air Canada Center on a, on Ab- a absolutely. really cheap flight in a really cheap resort. Right. <laughs> like, and all and and all of that is is the cost of the one leaf seat right yep. like for, for one, one of those group to go to the leaf game exactly one, and they, there's four they of them to going tampa, down to tampa <laughs> booked all the stuff and yep. went to the game for the same price as one of them maybe getting yep. a, a a leaf seat and that's wild isn't it well, it, well again, me... like it's a conversation that I understand, like that people are probably going, well, you know, you can't compare the experience of seeing, you know, Tampa Bay to this long established historical blah, blah, blah. Well, if if you know, if we're talking about that in the consistency of your argument, like Canadian teams really in general um, are, are could can be pricey to see. I know that yep. I know the seats aren't cheap in Montreal either. But a Canadian team hasn't won the Stanley Cup since 1993. Those Montreal Canadiens. So and the last one to where, get close was Ottawa, right? Like, it's like where's the value yeah. for this giant thing? The weight of history. Like I, I can't I see that in front uh, on my ticket stub. No, oh. like the ticket stub doesn't have like a diamond gloss on it. This history, I, like why, why in terms of just raw success? I know that the, there's layers in terms of the market, the fan engagement. Uh, you know, Tampa Bay mm-hmm. for as good as they are, they do not always sell out over the last few years at home games. Yeah. They do not. They usually come pretty close, but they don't. And when it was lean back when your friends went down, they were they were having you know there were eleven thousand people in St. Pete. Oh, it was easy for them back then. They like literally walked up to the the arena and bought tickets right on the spot. They shuffled you in the building. Come by nachos, something. Yeah. So I understand that it's a complex issue. It's just that you know if if that's your argument, oh, this well-established, but. Well established in what they've no, they've won nothing yeah. in forever. If we're talking specifically about the Leafs, sorry, Clarky. Like, <laughs> well, why well, why are the Tampa Bay Lightning tickets not the most expensive home seats in or the, the Col- league right my now? My Avalanche Stanley Cup winners currently the Ava- not even close to the most expensive tickets. No, no, I, I actually think they're in the close. bottom half. Yeah. I th- I'm pretty sure the Avalanche are in but, the bottom half. I think their se- I think their season ticket package is ranked 18th. 
I think you're last right. year. But you get. can bet their tickets are going to be more expensive when they come to play Toronto. In well, Toronto. Uh, well, yes. <laughs> oh, see, I thought you were going to say next year, and rightly so. They just they did the thing. Yep. And so it, it makes sense, you know, that the tickets would go up a little bit. The same thing happened in Washington when my boys did it. It yep. it's just a frustrating thing where and again here's like another layer to it that, that, you know, that I think a lot of people don't necessarily grip. It's not, it's not just the team or the entity, the artist, the band that you're going to see. It's the venue. It's the ticket service that is, that is driving those prices up and Ticketmaster is one of the most infamous for it. And you'll remember my beloved Pearl Jam boys went to war with them in the nineties because Ticketmaster wanted to charge obscene amounts of money when they went on their no code tour across the United States. And Pearl Jam said, we're not selling tickets through you guys. And they went and actually did their own outdoor festival where I think they charged people $25 to come to this big open field and they put the show on themselves along with their record company. Like it's not great example right now. Bruce Springsteen is just getting dragged over the coals right now. His tickets are sickening. And uh, you know, it's not like Bruce, Bruce, Bruce Springsteen doesn't sit there before a tour. Elton John, Pearl Jam, Garth Brooks. They don't sit there and go, most of them my tickets have to be bare minimum this they have so much money they they are bruce springsteen i can guarantee at what is he 74 Mm -hmm. 75 he's Mm -hmm. thrilled people still want to come see the boss (laughs) no kidding he doesn't care if the tickets are a thousand dollars or thirty dollars he's got more money than He's just happy people want to still come and sing Born to Run. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes, yes. Like, so So uh, while I understand that the, people can get angry at the Toronto Maple Leafs or Brendan Shanahan or whoever about the ticket prices, understand that there are a lot of, you know, exterior factors at work here. I don't like I don't like it. And I and I think over the next little while, you're going to see a break point where people, you know, show attendance is going to and sporting attendance is going to start suffering more than it's already starting to yep. like this is already starting so well let put it this way like i i grew up uh, in the gta i grew up north of oshawa um you know i've lived in the surrounding gta area my entire life i'm going to be 40 in a few weeks guess how many leafs games i've been to despite not being a leafs fan guess how many leaf games i've been to ryan I, I, hmm, it, across your whole life yes. or just while you lived there? No, across whole my life. whole life. I'm going to say two. Zero. I've never Absolutely been to a Leafs game. Absolutely none. <laughs> yeah. I've never been to a Leafs game. Okay. So now, of course, they're not my favorite team, but I would love to see an NHL game in person. I can't afford it, period, to go see the Leafs. It's just not oh, in the cards. Honestly, so I would zero. say... Go go to Detroit. Oh, I'm I mean, gonna try to do that next time I'm down good. down to see my go, brother for sure. Go to Detroit, like yep. a beautiful new arena. My uncle's been there numerous times. Says glowing th- the arena, the team, the team's 
got some exciting young players. Go to Detroit, man. Should go in there playing Colorado and just snub the Leafs completely, right? (laughs) 100%. Where's the the value for money? Then you can see the uh, old rivalries. Of course, none of those players are there now. But (laughs) for the old rivalries Ah, between Detroit and Colorado in the early 2000s. It still matters. It still matters. What I would maybe caution you is don't wear any Don't wear this jersey. Don't wear a Sackett jersey there. Okay, I, I wouldn't wear a, at home. <laughs> I wouldn't wear a Colorado pin on the back no of my kidding. jacket. Uh, no yeah, kidding. I would. Uh, I would hide all that stuff for so, sure. Yeah, it's disappointing. So, but my favorite teams in sporting are the Raptors, the Jays, the Colorado, Montreal Alouettes. I don't follow much NFL. I'm sorry, I don't. But I've seen the Raptors twice before the 2019. So the tickets weren't that expensive. I've seen the Jays four times in my life and most of them were in the 500s. This recent one was in the 100s and was amazing to see. Um, I've never seen an NHL game and I've never seen a CFL game in person. And I've seen a rock game, the Toronto Rock. That's pretty exciting. They're really nice. Numerous rock games. Yeah. Talk about bang for your buck. Now there's a viciously exciting sport that is But I have a more fun time. I have a more fun time going to see a Guelph Storm game or an Owen Sound attack game. I've seen numerous attack games. Living in Owen Sound for years, I saw tons. We used to go every weekend to an attack game, and it would cost 20 bucks, maybe 15 bucks. And that was when Bobby Ryan was playing and Sakara, Trevor Krizakis. Like they, they were really good back then. Talent, and it was cheap. They really did. And the beers were about maybe five, six dollars then. I, we went recently last. They still uh, are at the Bay Shore. Yeah, we went recently. They're still very expensive. Yep. <laughs> it's uh, it's wild. It's interesting you mentioned that too. Uh, I'll selfishly plug that there is a fan fest at uh, the Guelph Storm opening night, September thirtieth, nice. home game opening against the reigning OHL champion Hamilton Hammer City Bulldogs. There's uh, there's going to be like a fan. Uh, you know, appreciation thing uh, for people to interact with. Believe it's right from noon by the arena at the West Parkade uh, all the way till puck drops. So uh, Steve Fitzsimmons and I will be there if you want to to mingle with the broadcast crew of the Gulf Storm for some reason. Um, I do. Yeah, I know a lot of people. (laughs) Oh, well, why don't you come out? We'll we'll get you out there. It'll be be a lot of fun. I know a lot of people around the area like to go to Storm games, Rangers games, London, Owen Sound. We're lucky here in terms of, thank God we have that good junior hockey base where there's plenty of great up-and-coming talent. Yep, and even seeing like a Cyclones game. You could see some really good hockey in this area for not a lot of money. Oh, the Cyclones are down the street for me, man. You walk in there and see some really good hockey it's uh, thank god too right but for oh, sure but to quickly get back to your thing on price so when we went to see the jays it was myself my mom yeah tell who, us about this yeah so for price wise it was myself my brother my mom and our two daughters so there was a senior's price that's a little bit of a discount youth price that's a little bit of a discount and my brother and i had to pay full price it was uh, 350 dollars for all of us in the 100 like, I- level 32 really rows good. from from the field 32 rows from the field it was amazing i and you're down the third baseline too that's yep. the best place to sit oh, i love it was awesome baseline. on a sunday game we we got in there gate 11 straight through grade 11 straight to our seats there's food right there there's merch on the other side the Sportsnet broadcast is not very far away and they let you walk up and talk to them it was really cool to see uh jamie and joe they're right there you could just say hi. Yeah, it's they crazy. sit right on the concourse. It's great. Yeah, you could just walk up and be like, how's it going? They'll, they'll talk to you. It's, it's wild. And uh, yeah, we saw the game and it was wonderful. And you know, they did lose. But, the, but remember Clarkie was saying, I wonder what the fan experience is like. 
it's exciting. The fans are into it. Every hit, everything. There's no nobody's sitting there not watching the game. We're all like, whoa, oh, oh, yeah. So, and the new jumbotron, amazing. The new video setup, they, it's right there. They poured a ton of money into that, yep. and I'm excited to see what the Renos look like next year. The raised bullpens, all that stuff. I will say the. Jays fans are a little wave happy lately. I, yes. I don't know how I feel about that. Um, <laughs> and I know they were breaking it out when they were losing to the Angels. I was looking I, for you a little bit. I refused to do the wave. I literally flat out was like, nope, not doing it. <laughs> we lose That's every time we do the wave. a good wave. thing. Why am I doing the oh, wave? Yeah, nope. <laughs> the wave is... The wave is gross. I'm old man, no fun guy. Sorry. No, not the wave. Eat, I did drink, s- drink a billion beers, make a beer snake. I don't care. The wave. Come on now, guys. I did see your, your friend Chapman. He was uh, had a couple of good hits. Got stranded, but a couple of good hits. Yeah, um, that wasn't a great series for them. No, it wasn't, but oh, it was well. really cool. Like uh, We got there, and maybe two days before the game, they said, Trout's off the injured list. I'm like, oh, my Lord, we are going to see uh, some yes. really good talent, and we sure did. We sure Mike did. Mike Trout's a freak, one of the greats, absolutely. Uh, all right, wrapping up real quick here. We're recording this on opening night, NFL kickoff, Rams, Super Bowl champs hosting the Bills who hope at the end of the season to maybe be Super Bowl champs and bring a long-awaited title to the city of Buffalo, New York. Uh, I've got a bet laid down, of course. Uh, CoolBet is the place to go, guys. CoolBet.ca, the bet builder. It's my favorite thing tonight. Our viewers, you'll know if this if this hit for me. I've got Josh Allen throwing a touchdown. Allen over 229 and a half passing yards. Bills by two and a half, under 51 and a half. That's just an example of a bet you can make on the Bet Builder tool. It basically lets you customize all sorts of props, throw them on one ticket. You can, of course, make single event bets. They've got a great promotion right now where if you lay down $25 on a single event bet, you can get a $25 bet credit whether your bet hits or not. So that's pretty awesome. Great time with the NFL season kicking off to get yourself a cool bet account if you don't have one. And uh, of course, I, I had to draft a fantasy team and uh, I've, I've sent producer Adam. Uh, we'll, we'll put it up now. My fantasy team. Love sure. the team name as well, of course. Um, and uh, yeah, our fans, you can let us know what you think of my fantasy team maybe. And you can do that on our social media feeds at instigating pod, where of course you can watch this show and find links to it where it airs Friday nights at eight, Sunday nights at nine with our friends on Whiteman TV. That's channel six for Whiteman subscribers debuting on our YouTube channel every Friday night at nine. As I mentioned, follow us on social media at instigating pod. Remember we're on Instagram now as well for Mr. Elton, John, Chris Clark, and producer Adam, thanks for hopping in, my friend. And, our, of course, our friend Rob Longley of the Toronto Sun, Blue Jays beat reporter. We'll see you next week with more Instigate. Take care, everybody.